Welcome to Appetite for Distraction, a podcast where we dissect the world of music and technology. You're used to hearing me. I'm Martin. I write a newsletter called Music X. So usually I'm here with Yash, uh, who writes a newsletter called Appetite for Distraction, which is where this podcast got its name from. But Yash is extremely busy. So for the next couple of episodes, at least I will have a new co-host, who is Steph Guerrero. So Steph, can you please... Introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. This is exciting. Um, I'm Steph Guerrero. Basically, I'm the music industry person. I left the music industry and I became a refugee here in Web3. Uh, and I'm excited to just explore what opportunities new technologies give for independent artists because I do know how the deck is stacked a little bit against them in the traditional music industry and excited to dive into music and technology on this podcast. And since this is just the two of us today, I want to start with the question that we usually always ask our guests, which is how you got into Web3. Oh, that's a really good question. I actually got into Web3 because I had this artist who was a developing act when I was working at Labels, and she sold the most amazing and ridiculous merch that I personally, as like a person with experience, I thought none of this is going to sell and everything would sell out. So seeing this phenomenon happen, I thought, what is another product that I can seek out there? And I stumbled upon NFTs. I think that back then only the weekend had done some like demo NFTs. And so I figured we can make this happen. Of course, being at a big major label, there are a lot of roadblocks, the big one being legal, it took a really long time for legal to come around and wrap their hands around NFTs, especially because the artist also wanted to give royalty points to her collectors. And then the second thing was the finance team, they just weren't comfortable setting up a crypto wallet and all of the intricacies that come with that. And so that pretty much killed the project. So that opened up my curiosity. I still tried to go at it at the label life, but I just, it was a pandemic. It was different. I didn't feel like I was being happy and fulfilled. And I was really curious about learning about new tech. And I don't know if you know this, but labels are not big innovators. So I figured I needed to go out and learn on my own. And here I am now. That's such a cool story. I love hearing that. But we're going to talk today about gas prices on the Ethereum blockchain. And of course, this project was due to be released on Ethereum, right? Yeah. Yeah. And now we have a bunch of other blockchains. We have layer twos. And in our current sort of meme coin season, we have a lot of high gas prices. I'm launching on the day of this recording, which is the 11th of May. We're launching this project called Wild Awake, and we're sticking to our guns. We're going to do it on Ethereum. But I don't think you would have, right, Steph? No, I wouldn't have. I would have definitely pivoted. I think it's just, and this is what excites me about this, is that because everyone is independent in this space, we can all kind of change plans fairly quickly rather than like having to go through this huge production. I would have gone with at least an L2. That would have been my experimentation with dropping today. So the reason we're sticking with ETH is that we think that if you want to have value into the stuff that you're minting now, then it should still be on Ethereum and that something like a Polygon or an Optimism or a different blockchain doesn't quite have that. So what's your I thoughts think, on that? 
for me as a point of view of a collector, I have never felt differently about where I collect, about any of the pieces I've collected. And I feel like we're overthinking about this whole value and ROI and how our NFTs will go up in prices. I don't know that fans really want that or care about that, but they will care if all of a sudden the product that they're going to purchase is now triple the price because of gas fees. That's one of the reasons why I'm a little bit bullish on those structures is that you do need a little bit of price stability. If there is a solution that comes out that's able to regulate or control the craziness of gas fees on ETH, that I completely understand wanting to stick to that. But from my understanding, it's just everything that's collectible just for the sake of collectible instead of having some sort of like financial return in the future should probably be on an L2 anyway. That's and that's just what I think about it. And there are other blockchains where gas doesn't get as crazy, where you can still have that sort of like L1 security and like long-term value that you could explore too. You have an example of that. I've been exploring Tezos recently. I did collect quite a bit in Solana, but Tezos is the one that's piquing my interest right now simply because there's, ton of, there's a ton of return on investment there that I was shocked. There's only, I want to say, 5,000 active people participating, but it's a very kind of self-contained ecosystem. One of the things, for example, investigating into that community is that people don't really buy Tezos to participate. Everyone just gives you a little bit and then you get started and you trade back and forth. And so that's how you start building wealth and collecting more pieces. So that to me has been super interesting. As it stands today, I think the Tezos Commons community, they're giving away five tezos to anyone who's paid more than a hundred dollars in gas fees for example and what a great onboarding strategy to get people to participate on their chain and some people have discovered that they have spent up to three thousand dollars in gas fees in just a year and a half and that's a lot of money that could really go towards artists and if we're really here to service artists do we want to be paying these high gas fees and i know that the average fan like i said when they see oh hey this thing is fifteen dollars but i have to pay thirty dollars in gas fees they're going to not buy, number one. Number two, they're going to wonder where these $30 are actually going to. And it's going to be really hard for fans to wrap their heads around. No, that's just the cost of purchasing anything on the chain. Yeah, you're better off on Bandcamp Friday then. Exactly, yeah. And so do you think that's where we're at the moment with collecting music on chain? Is that sort of, do you find it very closely related to people buying digital records or vinyl or cassettes or something on Bandcamp? It's been so interesting to me because I feel like there was a huge push for this whole, there's going to be an ROI, this is an investment for you in the future. But obviously with a bear market coming and raining on everyone's parade, it's been a harder push to have. I have only seen a big sale of that one NFT that was a golden egg, but we haven't really seen a lot of music NFTs flipping. Maybe with a Violetta Zeroni and... Sammy Ariaga, like that group, maybe they have had a couple flips, but they're very small. So like, really, there isn't a lot of income coming from just like flipping NFTs right now on the music side. Um, yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned those nifty gang musicians, because we've had Robin Spottiswood on the podcast as well. And actually, it's proven very difficult for them to repeat that trick. They're not going to have another quote unquote cohort of artists who are going to have the success that violetta and sammy and ray and everybody's having yeah i think it's going to be hard and the artists that succeed in that model like just get absorbed into that little group into that cohort and even then they're having a hard time selling and it's interesting for me to see the language that they're coming up with don't be afraid of high gas fees because 
that might work, like I said, in our little echo chamber. But when it comes to like true consumers, they're not going to go for it. That just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense to anyone. Even I was upset when I signed on to the Tezos comments thing. And I saw that I had paid $600 in gas fees. I just thought, oh my gosh, like, I cannot believe I spent so much in gas fees. Like all of that could have gone to collecting artists. So yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, from that notion of who are you giving the money to, it's very difficult to explain away that you pay the same in gas as you do for the NFT itself, right? Yeah, yeah. And last week I even saw someone, like they were trying to buy a $20 NFT and the gas was $120. And that ended the sale of that. And it's sad because a lot of good music was dropped during the week. It just wasn't collected because of gas fees. Yeah, but maybe it's not collected yet. This could be an opportunity to move away from like, we need to sell out immediately after the drop, right? Or like some of the some of these structures that lock in a price for five days and then it starts going up, that might have made sense in a time where gas was a little more static. But then after the fact, it, it ruins that whole clock thing. Or maybe this is something that the clock doesn't start until the first person collects. And, you know, that that's kind of indicative of how the market is going to behave. Yeah, maybe they, these structures need to be a little more inventive and figure out how to get around these like high gas prices. There was one. I think the last drop I collected, I was literally like, I felt like I was like trying to catch flies with chopsticks, just trying to find the one window where the gas was comfortable enough for me. And I know a lot of people say, just set it up in your wallet so that it collects when it reaches a certain point, but it doesn't always, the transactions don't move fast enough. It doesn't always capture it. So it's tricky, but I have found it so interesting how some artists are pivoting. Even artists like Latasha is talking about dropping on Tezos and dropping on, on Lens, for example, whereas she was an ETH all the way so i'm excited about what's happening yeah and it's interesting because there's a move on ethereum anyway that stuff is not as high in price anymore as it has been especially if you mention somebody like latasha who made multiple eth on prior drops and is of course somebody who's been very vocal it's about valuing the music but now that we're doing like open editions for 0.005 anyway then you're not going to get five ETH out of your one drop, right? Unless you have a total DGEN family behind you. So then it may, might become easier as well to go to like Tezos or to do something on Polygon, right? Because then, yeah, I don't know. A Matic is a Matic in a Tezos. So. Yeah. And it, it's much easier when like the gas fee is like in the decimal points that in your head you're like, ah, it's fine. Just mint, mint away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that's going to change in a couple of weeks? Maybe when gas is going I down? I hope so. I don't know. This is so strange. I've never lived through a meme coin season. This is my first time. So I don't know. I don't know what this is. Have you lived through a meme coin season? I don't know if that has changed. No, I didn't live through the ICO season. I didn't live through a meme coin season. So it's also fairly new to me. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting play that has at least, and I'm trying to spin this into something positive that I can't. Yes, I, it's so interesting for me because I don't consider myself a DJ and I'm not buying things to flip them. I am literally just a music lover that's advising artists. So I'm just collecting literally just to have like reminiscent of like my CD shelf or my vinyl like drawer that I had. That's how I see this. So it's been interesting for me to see these people that are here to make money. It, it's been good for me to be reminded that that's kind of why everyone came here in the first place. But yeah, it's been interesting. So why are you doubling down and just dropping on ETH anyway? With Wild Awake? Yes. So the reasoning behind it is that Wild Awake, we're trying to build something that is a long-term kind of 
brand slash meme exercise and we want to add value to that so the idea being that in a couple of years when wild awake is this thing that people want to go back to the beginning and then that beginning should be on ethereum and not on an l2 or another l1 blockchain yeah that makes perfect sense i think it's also why now artists who have very famously just dropped an l1s are now experimenting with L2 because they feel like they've had that foundation. We're dropping on token tracks and it's good because one of the things that they do, of course, is that you can pay in fiat, right? You can pay pay in dollars. And at the same time, that means that the first artist that is dropping today is Context. And if he gets Web2 people in and they just pay with their credit cards, then they'll see, hey, there's $30 going to my friend and there's $40 going to... What is this thing actually? Fees? What is fees? <laughs> so that that's going to be interesting. So Jamie, so Sound of Fractures, who I'm doing this project with, and, and Kat as well, Kat Bassett. What we're saying is it's okay. If we don't sell them today, that's fine. We'll sell them in a couple of weeks. They're limited editions, so there will be people who want to have them. And I think that's been the attitude for a little bit, not to sell out right away. That's why mint windows are getting a little longer. And it does. It takes a long time. The people that are selling out, they're either spending 12 hours, 14 hour days on Twitter spaces, or or they have friends that are willing to mint a lot regardless of gas prices right away. So I think it's fair for you to have an attitude like that. I think it's smart. Any other angles we should take on this whole gas thing? The only thing I would say is I do admire the inventiveness of artists right now and being able to pivot so quickly. And this is only possible because artists are independent. Because if that, this was the case with anyone who was signed to anything, who had any deals with any platform, I don't think they would be able to be as flexible. I think my son's trying to make an appearance in this podcast right now. He is. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. And that might be something that is not that sort of clear to everybody, right? This idea that people can just do stuff really quickly because they're independent. And that means that they have full control over what they're doing and also that any decision they make is their decision, right? Which is such a big change and a big sort of mind shift for a lot of artists, I think. Yeah, and that's what excites me about this whole space. I think there's a ton of possibility because because of that. Yeah, which is, I think, a good point to to wrap it up. We would normally ask our guests to uh, give us a little... uh, something to listen to for when you finish listening to this podcast maybe you can have the honors of that stuff you have a little musical shout out oh i'm gonna talk about this thing i discovered so there's this transgender artist from puerto rico called and she's been doing pretty cool edgy things for a while but she just collaborated with this more mainstream artist called pedro capo in the latin world and they just released their track and uh, I don't know, I just found it this sort of happy, summery vibes, not as edgy as she normally is, but still cool. And so I I literally discovered it this morning and I have been playing quite a bit of it because I feel like it's exactly what we need to start getting in the summer mindset and maybe relax a little bit while all this, all this gas keeps going crazy. Music to listen to while gas goes crazy. I like that. Yeah, thanks for listening. This was our first duo podcast with me, Martin, and Steph. Next one will be with a very special guest, and we hope to see you again. Bye, everyone.